Welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman, a podcast loaded with practical tips, powerful scripts, personal stories, and simple steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. So get ready to get the information you need to make the impact you want from someone you trust, your friend, parenting expert, Dr. Robin Silverman. It can be hard to discipline children without letting our own emotions and past experiences get the best of us. We all have emotions and sometimes they seep out in ways that makes everybody feel horrible. We might yell or belittle, threaten, and perhaps some might even spank. Research consistently tells us that using physical punishment on children is detrimental to our connection with them as well as our own emotional development. Don't get me wrong. I understand the emotional upheaval that parenting causes. I get it. So don't think that I am judging in any way. There are other ways that we do need to explore helping our children grow to be respectful and kind. Believe me, as I mentioned, I get it. As a parent myself, I get frustrated and worried and angry and hurt when I'm parenting my own kids. I have yelled. I have said things I've needed to apologize for and apologize. I do. It happens often. We are all in a state of learning here. And that's why I'm really excited about our next guest, who is really helping parents to understand different perspectives and different ways of doing things when it comes to discipline, respect, emotions, and parenting. Chaz Lewis's mission in life is to enjoy the process of becoming the best version of himself and help others to do the same. He goes by Mr. Chaz to his large online following, who he guides through understanding how to hear, see, and guide children. Coming from the classrooms that he used as living laboratories, Mr. Chaz worked to develop a more conscious, informed, joyful, dignity-driven, and inspired approach to learning leading and elevating others. He consistently provides insights into how our parental reactions are seen by children and how we can discipline in a way that helps rather than harms children as they grow and develop. You can find him on Instagram and on TikTok where TikTok where I follow him. He has a thriving community of followers. You can listen to his podcast where I was just interviewed for an upcoming episode or you can find him on YouTube. Welcome Mr. Chaz to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Thank you so much for having me. I uh, hope I can help people today. I hope you can hear me just fine. There's some landscaping going on right now. Um so Hopefully We're everything good. comes through clearly. I hear you. I hear you just fine. And I'm Great. sure our audience is going to be super excited about this. Before we get into the bulk of the interview, can you just tell us what lights you up? That's a great question. I absolutely love really helping people learn and grow, really helping myself learn and grow, especially when it comes to helping navigate emotions we tend to have a really hard time with our own emotions as adults. Um, and children are just these big balls of emotion. Um, and so it's really exciting to see uh, how we can help ourselves with our own emotions and how that in turn uh, helps children with their emotions and how we can really show up for children 
um, when we can be intentional and conscious about our you know, thoughts, feelings, and actions. That's so well said that when we can control our own emotions, that will help us to really regulate our children or co-regulate with our children. I've been following you. <clears throat> I've been following you on Instagram for quite a while now. Some of the videos that you do provides a look into how our words, when disciplining, and our actions during discipline can be perceived by children and actually tell them the opposite of what we want them to learn. For example, mm -hmm. you might role play if you talk to me that way, I'm going to spank you. Or if you disrespect me, I'm going to spank you. How can saying these kinds of things and actually acting on them and spanking a child for misbehavior wind up backfiring and teaching children that hitting is necessary, warranted, and expected? Yeah. You know, first off, I just want to acknowledge that we do these things with all the best intentions, right? You know, sometimes the yelling and the threatening or the spanking comes from us really wanting our children to be good citizens and be kind people. And, you know, we want to stop certain behaviors. Maybe we want to stop them from hitting. Maybe we want to stop them from name calling. Maybe we want to stop them from uh, 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 being disobedient or disrespectful. Um, and we really want the best for our children. So I, I just want to start there and acknowledge that. Unfortunately, um, we often don't have the knowledge or skills or even resources a lot of time to uh, respond in a way that is more helpful that is, than, than harmful. A lot of times we end up modeling the very thing that we don't want children to do. Um, and so we spank a child to, you know, to tell them to stop hitting, you know, the do as I say, not as I do is not effective, right? They're, they're watching you and they are learning from your model. They're learning from your example more, even more than they're learning from the words that come out of your mouth. Um, so it's just, so then it becomes, well, if I can't, you know, if they hit or they talk back to me and I can't spank them or I'm not going to threaten them, then what else can I do, right? And that's the difficult part too, because I mean, there are a couple of difficult parts. You know, one difficult part is just becoming aware that like, ooh, this may not be doing what I want it to do. That's a difficult part. But then the journey doesn't stop there. A lot of people say, okay, I don't want to do what my parents did, right? And we'll celebrate that, you know, like I want to do better than what my parents did. Clap it up, celebrate, pat on the back, kiss your brain, great. But then that's when your journey really starts because then you have to figure out, well, what do I do in these situations, right? And it's likely that you can't think of very many things because most of your examples have been more fear and control-based methods rather than connection and collaborative-based methods. Um, so I spent a lot of time helping people, yes, realize that first part of like, hey, this might not be doing what you want it to do. Um, and then the other part of, hey, these are all a bunch of things you can do instead in these situations. You right? know what's really interesting is that when 
when we yell at a child or spank a child, my friend, Dr. Dara Harris, who I interviewed on this podcast, calls it pulling the emergency brake. Like it does get the child to stop often, but if we keep doing this, it wears the whole system down, right? Everything winds up getting derailed. And in certain situations, obviously you're going to yell at a child who's about to run out into the middle of the streets. You know, you're, you're going to grab them, you know, to make sure that they stay safe. That's when that emergency break is, is warranted and needed and is appropriate. But in the situations that you're talking about, this is something to really highlight that when we do this behavior, it sometimes works. Like in that moment, it may work. And so you might say to a parent, this is not an appropriate behavior because it's teaching kids that they can hit, it's teach, it's disconnecting them. But they're like, hey, I want them to stop doing this behavior. They stop doing that behavior. That's a success. So what do you say to a parent who in the moment is telling you, this is the only thing that's working. I like the, first off, I like the emergency break analogy. Um, and I will say there's, so there's a difference between reactions and responses, right? And more times than not, we want to, we want to respond as opposed to react. You know, response is a real, a more thoughtful action, a thoughtful, intentional action. And a reaction is just an unthought about like knee jerk reaction, right? You don't think about it, it happens in a split second. And there are times where reactions are appropriate. Like you just said, running in a street, a reaction is appropriate in an emergency, right? But more times than not, it, we're not in an emergency. You know, the emergencies happen pretty rarely, right? And we tend to resort to our emergency break more than there is our actual emergencies, right? Um, we're just driving down the highway and we're hitting the emergency break all the time, right? right. Um, and what we want to do is to go move more towards a response. And like you said, sometimes the reactions when or when we react and we you know spank or we yell, and we get big, and we use fear and, and they, they stop the behavior, it almost kind of feels like good for us maybe for a moment and kind of like reinforcing like it worked to like I got control back, I have the power back. Um, and the question that we need to ask ourselves is works to do what? right? So let's take an actual situation, right? They, um, let's say that children are hitting, right? Um, and and let's actually bring it back a little bit because it doesn't start with hitting out of nowhere. It's maybe it's, they were playing with a toy and maybe your, your one child wanted a toy that the other child had and maybe to get it, they chose to hit to try to get the toy, right? Or maybe... In situation, the uh, a child did take the toy away and they hit to get their toy back, right? And so we come in and then we're like, why are you hitting? You should know better than hitting. So we have this conversation all the time. You're not allowed to hit. And then, you know, we hit them to, you know, say, tell them not to not hit. And they, they stop, they're like, ah. you know, maybe they, they cry or they have mm -hmm. some kind of reaction and they go into... You know, they, and really what's happening here mm -hmm. is they go into, now this is a podcast, so a lot of people aren't seeing, uh, but I have some posters in the background. If you, mm -hmm. if you watch my social media, you'll, you'll, you'll see them. Yes. Um, but what it works to do is put a child in a 
uh, fight, flight, or freeze mode, right? Or fawn mode. People said, what's fawn? Fawn is pretty much like the people-pleasing skill, right? And these are skills. And not to say that fight, flight, or fawn are bad skills. They're just survival skills, right? And so, yeah, it may work to put our child into survival mode. And as a result, they froze. And so they did stop the behavior. But we never taught the child how to get that toy in a better way, right? We never taught the child how to get their toy back in a more pro-social way, right? And so, yeah, you might've worked to stop the behavior in the moment, but we didn't, it didn't work to teach them a new skill. So next time they're in that moment, they have something else to do. They have another way to solve the problem so they don't have to resort to hitting, just like you're resorting to hitting because you don't know what else to do. And let's not forget that in that moment, when our child has just hit our other child, right, or they're in a play date situation, they hit a friend, our emotions wind up getting ramped up. We also, to use your posters there, get in the red and we wind up getting into fight, flight, freeze, or fawn mode. And we react right away. And so we start yelling. We, you know, if, if we're spanking, I've obviously seen that in a grocery store where a child hits another child or grabs something they're not supposed to. And a parent has walked over and just swatted them. I've, I've literally been in a grocery store when that's happened, you can see the flash on their face of embarrassment, of frustration, of not again, and they go for it, right? That child starts crying stop they stop the behavior right away and they may not hit their brother or sister again or take that thing again at that time but maybe later on it's going to come out in different ways so in that moment when your child has just hit what do you want the parent to do before they go to the child if they feel the ramp up happening in their own bodies and this is an important note um, that I practice a, a program called conscious discipline. So you're going to hear some of those, con- maybe some conscious discipline terms in here. Um, and and so I just wanted to kind of throw that out there. And if you want to learn more about some of the things that I'm talking about and kind of like the different states that we can be in, how to move yourself up in those states um, when you're frustrated and how to help children move up in the state, so to speak, to get the higher parts of their brain so that they can kind of meet our expectations, I highly recommend uh, looking into conscious discipline. So just want to say that first. Mm -hmm. Um, But to answer your question, what do you do in that moment? Right. So the first thing you want to do, because like he said, we are probably going to, when things don't go our way, we automatically get shifted down to the lower states of our brain. It's not because you're a bad parent. Same thing happens with kids. It's not because they're bad kids. It's just because that's just how the brain works. When the the world doesn't go our way, we get shifted down to the lower states of our brain where our survival skills are and also are like like where we name call and blame and we have this mentality of it's me versus you. And then this is where power struggles tend to happen. The world doesn't go our way automatically happens right mm-hmm. and when we when we are in the lower parts of our brain we're not in a good state we're not in a good position to really be helpful for that child because if we're in the lower states of our brain 
we're likely going to keep the child down in the lower states of their brain. And we're just going to be two people in a survival state just fighting it out, right? And just fighting for power. Um, and because we're bigger, we might win that power struggle through physical aggression. Um, but in, in the end, do we really win? Because we've likely, especially if you're listening to this podcast right now, you've likely probably done something that is maybe against your values. Um, so did we really win in that situation? And so now what do we do? First thing you want to do is to kind of move yourself up in your brain is to pause. Because remember, reactions are going to happen in a split second. Mm. A response takes a little bit more time. So you're going to have to probably pause, especially if this is something new for you. But even if you've been practicing, you're still probably going to have to pause. Um, and take a breath. Right. And and sometimes things are happening. Um, usually when I'm in a situation and I get triggered and, and I have to go handle the situation, I have to kind of move myself with my brain, up my brain. I'm often walking towards the child while I'm regulating myself at the same mm. time. I'm I'm pausing, I'm taking a breath in through the nose, out through the mouth. I am uh, trying to see the best in this child, right? Mm. I'm saying maybe mantras to myself, this child is not trying to give me a hard time, they're having a hard time. Mistakes are an opportunity for learning. Conflict or conflict is an opportunity for learning. Um, this is not know, an emergency. Right, this is not an emergency. I'm safe. We're safe, right? Mm-hmm. Mantras, because we all have these stories, these mental models that are likely going to come up, maybe that are going to shift us, keep us down. That are mm-hmm. they're so ungrateful, they're so mad, they're mean, they're a bully. You know, kids these days are so such and such. All these kind of narratives, these mental models that we likely grew up with, that we may have been conditioned with, are might come up too. So we need some better messages to kind of uh, to help us move up in our brain, so that we can be in a position to help and really see that the best in this child, and really see this child as a good kid having a hard time. Right, yes. that that this isn't a isn't because they're a mean kid who wants to uh, uh, just cause harm to everybody in the room and have no friends. This is a kid who is in a situation and they don't know how to problem solve. They don't have the skills to problem solve in this moment, so they've resorted to survival skills. Right, like we often do when we don't have the skills right that's why we resort to the the yelling the threatening the spanking and all that stuff because Mm -hmm. it's like we're having a hard time right you're a good parent having a hard time right and so all this is happening internally before i even say anything to the child right um and it takes some practice to get there i mean it can take even practice to even recognize you've downshifted in your brain that you are in an emotional state or you are in a survival state. A lot of us have been conditioned to not even recognize and be aware of where we're in a state because we've been taught to push down our emotions so much and say, we're fine, we're fine, it's fine, it's fine, I'm fine. And so that a lot of times we're not even aware of when we are frustrated. It's just this thing that's happening kind of subconsciously within us but it's still impacting our tone, our body language, and often the words that come out of our mouth. Um, I really, I think it's so important what you're saying here that all of these things are happening in our bodies. And so after all of this is done, during the time when you're reflecting back, if you did lose your temper, if you did do something that you feel like, oh, I wish I didn't say that. I wish I didn't do that. 
that part of the education of ourselves and of our children is where did you feel it when you got angry? Mm -hmm. Where did you feel it in your body when that first reaction came out? For me, when I get angry, it's in the pit of my stomach. My stomach gets really tight and I can feel it in my jaw. And even asking children, not in that moment, not even 10 minutes later, but you know, and when everybody is calm and regulated, when you felt so angry before, when you took that car and hit it, hit it over the head of your brother, where did you feel that anger? Did you feel it in your hands? Were you hot in your face? Did you feel it in the pit of your stomach? Because those early indicators, I'm getting ramped up, I'm getting angry, can then speak back to us and help us to know, oh, it's happening again. And now I've got to take that breath that Mr. Chaz told me to take. I've got to pause and I've got to stop, start my mantras. Isn't that correct? Yes. And actually I have a question for you. Um, do you actually have a memory of when you figured out where that, uh, where that bubbled up for you, that it was in the pit of your stomach? Can you remember any of like, maybe when you were kind of learning, you're trying to figure out, you're trying to become aware of your triggers what maybe situation helped you realize where you felt it? I think I, even though I tell parents like in, you know, and how to talk to kids about anything. And in this podcast that the work happens after, after the incident is over. Yeah. I think I first recognized it because it, it always was happening when I was with my kids. And at the time they were really young yeah. That I could, I knew I wanted to do something differently. And believe me, people, I still mess up constantly. Yeah. But I became aware of it when my children were fighting yet again. And um, I felt my stomach just clench up in that moment. And it was the time where I'd be like, wait a second this is happening. Like I'm feeling it in the pit of my stomach. And it was the thing that told me, this is the, this is the time when you need to pause. Like this is the anger that is getting rooted. And if you don't pause and breathe, it's that pit is going to erupt right out your mouth. I, I mean, I grew up, you know, from in my family that my mom did yell. She's an amazing mom that that was, you know, part of it. And I think her mom yelled, et cetera, et cetera. So it's so interesting when you figure out that it's in the pit of your stomach, that's where the tornado or the volcano starts. And then it just erupts out of your mouth if you don't deal with it down there. So I yeah. don't know if it's like a specific incident, but I do like right now when you're asking me, I'm picturing myself in my kitchen of my old house in that moment where I could feel my stomach clench. So I don't yeah. remember the incident. I just remember where I was. Yeah. And I know for me, like I clench my fist, mm. my head gets like, I get, I get hot and yes. like a, a lot of things bubble up for me. I think my ears get kind of hot too. Mm -hmm. um, and I ask you that because those moments, and that's gonna be really hard to see, but I, I wanted to ask you so that like it, this can be an example. And, and I, I kind of have a story of my own where I uh, uh, kind of lost it and mm -hmm. took out my emotions out on a child um, verbally. 
Yeah. And it, those moments, as hard as it is to really see, those can be the greatest mm-hmm. opportunities for learning. And those can actually really be huge gifts for us because without those moments, we may never really figure out what that, what our body, what that feels like when it starts to bubble up. Those moments, when we reflect on it, can be really great gifts for us learning about ourselves. Remember, conflict's an opportunity for learning, right? Mistakes are an opportunity for learning. And when we mess up, there's there's so much opportunity for us to learn from that. So next time we're in that position, we can work to make different choices. And not to say that like, you know, oh, okay, I recognize where it fills my body. And next time I'm going to be, be conscious of it. And then I'm going to make a different <laughs> choice because I, I'll tell you that I have a little bit of the nuance in here. Sometimes, you know, as you're going through this work and you're becoming more and more conscious of like, okay, like I know I need to pause and you take a breath. I need to do X, Y, and Z. And you kind of got your, you know, you have the strategies in your head that, you know, you, you know, you're supposed to do. Sometimes you become aware okay, I'm in an emotional state right now and I'm really not in a position to be helpful right now. And you you, you want to stay there, right? Or <laughs> and, you're like, I want to get this out of the pit of my stomach or I want my hands to feel less clenched. So I am going to pound my fist on the table. I am going to say these words. In the moment, sometimes it feels good to like get it out. And then, you know, a few moments later, you reflect back and you're like, ugh. Now I'm feeling awful, right? And here's the thing. We we want to get it out, but in a way that is not directed towards the child, you know, in a way we're not blaming the child for our emotions in a way where we're not putting our emotions and and hurting the child, right? right? And so there's lots of ways that we can do it. And it may be specific for you. There might be certain things that help you more than other people. Um, I know some, some common things. So taking a breath is something that mm-hmm. biologically just helps everyone if you know how to do it right. So that's something that everyone can practice. Mm-hmm. I mean, even, you know, there's so many things that we can do to kind of just pay attention. I would, I, I'd also say, uh, and we haven't even gotten to the action part yet, but I know we're getting this there. Yes. is so important, yes. you know, like trying to recognize times where you typically get, you know, frustrated and maybe you are, uh, uh, creating a routine where, you know, you have a visual timer where you are telling them, telling the children where you're going to have space to yourself, where you're, mm-hmm. you're going to take space breaks, time where you're being intentional about maybe going outside, maybe getting a drink of water, maybe, you know, exercising, maybe, you know, there, there's so many things that you can do. People pray, right? Like mm-hmm. whatever, you know, works for you. And I'm not going to say the exact thing that's going to be the holy grail for your mm-hmm. regulation style, uh, I will say everyone should definitely try breathing. breathing um, yes, because we all have a vagus nerve and that helps. Right. Bottom right. to top, top to bottom. Right, right. Um, and the, the when we're talking about like taking a breath and people, sometimes they're just like, you know, and that that breath can feel really stunted and stilted. We're talking, you're probably more referring to like things like square breathing, where you can actually trace with your finger up, you're breathing in, you're holding for three or four, and then you let it out and you're kind of tracing the next part of your square. And then you're taking a deep breath again, you're coming down, you're holding it for three. So understand you're slowing things down with this. And sometimes even using tactile things or drawing it in midair can help you. You're occupying your brain in a very different way. I'm 
saying this as somebody who also needs to do this and sometimes doesn't. So please don't think that I am, am coming from a place where I've got this all together. Do not. I still mm. need all of the help and I'm still telling you what I'm doing. Uh, coping mechanisms. We have talked to Janine Halloran. She's amazing with a lot of these kinds of things um, that you can take a look at. Sometimes people are physical. They need to do something physical like push-ups or they need to do something with their hands like punch a pillow. Sometimes people need to swaddle themselves. They need a sensory approach. They need to listen to calm music. You can do that. Um, some people will, you know, need to go to some kind of other calming thing, like taking deep breaths. They might need to walk outside, as you were saying, in nature. There's a lot of different ways we can do it. You can sing a song. You can get everybody to sing a song. So these are things that we can do. And if you need more on coping mechanisms, I would definitely listen to the podcast I did with Janine Halloran. Um, and also anything that I did with, um, Dr. Lynn Kenny on tantrum, uh, temper and tantrums or Wendy Young on tempers and tantrums. So Mr. Chaz, let's say we've gotten to the point where we're now calming ourselves down. We are not saying the thing that we have said before, like we told you not to hit, you're hitting it, da, da, da. And you're an awful person and all the other things that can come out of our mouths in the moment. And instead Magically, Mr. Chaz is whispering in our ear and we are a wonderful ventriloquist and we are saying the words that we hope to say and what are the words we hope to say to our child who has now hit their brother over the head with the toy car and it's ever ramped up and this one's a poopy head and somebody's getting pushed and the other one's crying. Now, what are we saying? Yeah, so let's do... The child, the scenario, the child is trying to uh, get the toy from their brother or sister, mm -hmm. whoever, right? And let's say the uh, older brother, uh, you know, said no, and or they they hit their brother, or let's say this younger brother hit their older brother because they wanted the toy. He was okay. Simple. They sure. wanted the toy. That's the that toy. that's that's what they're wanting, and that's why they hit, right? So you come in there and sometimes it can be hard to know what's going on if we weren't in there, but often young children give a lot of kind of clues. Mm -hmm. And so it does help a lot to kind of know what's going on um, and what happens so that you can figure out how to kind of, instead of stop the behavior, transform the behavior. Mm. It's another way to look at it. I love that. Um, and what you, what you could say is, you wanted the wooden car, right? Next time you want the wooden car, say, turn, please, right? Or let's say this child is a little bit younger. Let's say let's do toddler. Uh, and that's maybe a little bit too many words for them, right? And we notice that they are wanting a turn from their brother or or maybe they're upset because they're they're not getting a turn. Go over there, go over there. I would probably also... Maybe I'd be breathing a little bit with them because mm. uh, uh, for them to really engage in problem solving, they do need some level. They do need to be up in their brain a little bit. Mm. And so uh, one way that we can do that is just a simple, there's lots of ways we can do it, but one way we can do it is just a simple hand on their hand on their back. When we come to the situation, um, 
our tone and our body language are are communicating a lot, right? So even if we say, if I you say the word, but your tone and your body language is still judgy, yeah. it can shut down communication and keep us in the me versus you as opposed to me and you versus the problem, right? Mm. So we, well, first I'm, I put my hand on my back while I'm still breathing, my hand on their back while I'm still breathing to help them regulate and say, uh, you wanted a toy, you wanted the toy, right? You wanted you wanted them to give you a turn. You wanted a toy, so right? that everybody and, knows you understand what is right. happening and they feel seen and heard. Right, right. And they could say, "No, I just wanted to sit next to him." Right, mm-hmm. and that's great. They say that, great, celebrate that. Some some people will be like, "Well." Some people might get a little razzled by that, but that is something to celebrate because now we can be on the same page. Rather than if you just we just came in and said, hey, this is what you need to do. Mm, and right. we weren't on the same page about what the child's actual problem was. Mm. It's likely that they're not going to really take that. It's not going to be effective because we're not helping them solve their problem. We are trying to help them with some problem that they're that doesn't exist for them at the moment. Um, from it, It's the problem we see it from our perspective, which isn't going to be helpful for them. So yeah, you wanted the toy, right? In a non-judgmental tone. Right, not uh, uh, you just always want the toy, right? Mm-hmm. And, and not so that's why all that whole composure thing is really important. Once you get on the same page, yeah, I wanted the toy, I want, I wanted to turn. Then you can help them solve that problem, right? You can, um, and the way that we talk about doing a conscious discipline for a toddler, uh, they want to turn. A lot of times they'll grab and kind of like you know like the claw hand. You know, everyone's kind of see that claw hand. That's how, and that's more of a, a grush, an aggressive way to get what you want. You know, that's more of an aggressive way to get your toy. What we want to teach the child is a more assertive way to try to get their toy, right? We don't want to, what we have a tendency to do is either go, go towards aggression when we want things. And this is us uh, adults too, right? When we want something, we'll go towards aggression or sometimes we'll be passive. And we won't even say what we are wanting or what we want to get, right? Right. We look or sometimes down, we'll be we're in the corner, we're, we're hoping somebody just notices our sadness and we kind of are waiting for somebody to do the behavior for us. Right, right. Or sometimes we'll be, we'll be passive aggressive and be like, well, so-and-so has had the toy for a long time. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I wish and, I had a toy like that. Right. <laughs> The problem with with all of these approaches is that none of them actually move towards problem solving, mm-hmm. move towards our, our actual goal. And um, and so we want to teach them how to kind of move towards their goal and actually move towards problem solving. So toddler, teach them to turn their hand over, palm towards the ceiling mm-hmm. and say, turn, please. Turn, right. Please. Yeah. Two words. Right. So if they have you got to meet the child where they're at. If yeah. they're maybe they're four, they have more words you might say, can I have a turn? Or may I have a turn? Or can I have a turn after you're done? Whatever the words are, but really just teaching them to to ask for a turn and putting the the palm to the sky, um, facing the ceiling Mm -hmm. is, uh, communicates assertiveness, not aggression, not not passivity, not passive aggressiveness, assertiveness, right? Turn, please. Yeah, I love that. And I would also add that when in the moment, if your child did not do that behavior and you're counseling them and you're hoping, well, the next time I hope that they do this, 
you can actually simulate a do-over in that moment because when you're dealing with young children, it's hard to make those connections in the brain from day to day and doing it in the moment can solidify what you're saying. Would you agree with that? Yes. In content discipline, we have an acronym called MAP, uh, stands for Model, Add Visuals, and Practice. And anytime you're really, you're trying to teach a child something or trying to teach them a routine or a skill, mapping it out is, a, is very helpful for children, right? So you go through the motion of doing it. Maybe you're doing it. Maybe you're role-playing it with a parent, uh, with, you know, a co-parent or maybe with mm -hmm. another child, right? And so they get to see what mm -hmm. it looks like. Okay. Maybe you have a picture of kind of like maybe the hand, right? Where they typically play as maybe a little bit of a reminder, um, and then you practice it and let them go through the actual motions. Okay, I had the toy and you really want it. You know, how do you ask for what you want, right? And there's also this, um, there's, there's lots of ways to practice. And so I'm going to kind of leave that there because I also want to talk about what do you do when a child, what if the child says, no, mine. Right. Right, they don't want to give a turn, or they, they or the turn just keeps going on and on and on. You say turn, please, or can I have a turn after you? And the turn is just seems indefinite. So yes, there's another skill that has to happen, right? Yes. So let's go with the uh, they say no, right? And mm -hmm. that and they're 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 holding that Paw Patrol truck, right? That is so near and dear to them, right? And they say, <laughs> right. And they kind of put their shoulder up to their ear. <laughs> That's what mm. children do. Um, now, I, a lot of people would uh, approach it like, okay, he asked for a turn. You need to share. You need to share. Give him that toy. I don't take that approach. Uh, my belief is that you can ask for a turn. Assertiveness is, is a great skill to have. But just because you use the skill of assertiveness doesn't mean that you automatically get whatever you want all the time. It's not the way that the skill works. It's not the way that the world works. It is really an opening to problem solving, right? It's communicating, hey, this is what I want and kind of moving towards that problem solving. And so if the child says no, actually, ooh, I kind of want to do, we're going to kind of do flow chart style here. If the mm -hmm. child says yes, celebrate the child who was able to give a turn because that's a huge deal huge. for you to be able to give that turn encourage like yeah you did it you gave a turn so someone else could have a play with it that was so helpful encouragement celebrate kind of reinforce that now if the child chooses to say no which they have the choice to do then you know i would say to the child is it looks like you're not ready to give a turn yet right i'm going to move into the skill of i'm going to kind of acknowledge that hey he's not ready to give a turn yet i'm going to move into the skill of choices let them know what's in their power because when even us as adults when maybe we're asking for a promotion or we're asking for a, a time off or you know whatever it is um uh, or maybe we're asking for the dishes to be done when we get home um whatever we're asking to happen let, let's go for we're asking for a raise um that company that person has their free will to say no yeah. They 100% can say no. And what we need to do, uh, what we need to learn to do is to then recognize, okay, what is within my power? What choices are within my power? If this promotion isn't within my power, what choices can I make? I think the pandemic was such a, uh, a great example of this, of where we didn't, you know, 
a lot of people wanted to obviously be with their family and there's a lot of things that people wanted that couldn't happen. And the people that really thrived are the people who were able to recognize what their choices were and were able to kind of make those choices, right? Like, okay, so what is in with it? So I might say for a child um, or for an adult with a promotion, maybe they say no. It may, you know, maybe your choices are, okay, do I want to uh, go look for another job? Mm-hmm. You know, or do I want to uh, uh, try to, you know, ask again in six months? Do I want to try to move in a different position in the company, right? Do I want to quietly quit, right? These are all choices that you could make, right? And all the every choice is going to have its own set of consequences, but recognize what is within your power um, is the next thing. Now, again, flowchart style, the child could say, you know, for a child, I might say, uh, uh, you can play with the fire truck, mm-hmm. something similar, I give them two positive choices. You put the fire truck or you play with me. Right. I might, mm-hmm. maybe this child might need some connection in that moment. So I'm going to think about mm, maybe what are some underlying needs that this child might have and offer two positive choices. They really want to play with a truck. You can play with this truck or you can do an, uh, a connection ritual with me. Mm-hmm. Right. And they might say, no, I want the Paw Patrol truck. Mm-hmm. Right. Or they might make a choice. They make a choice. Again, celebrate. You made a choice. You did it. That's a huge thing. Yeah. It's hard to make choices sometimes. I mean, think about how hard it is, even as adults, like we're, what do you want to eat tonight? Like this kind of back <laughs> and forth of, you know, choices can be hard, right? So we want to celebrate it when they're able to make a choice. Um, but they might they might say no. They might say, I want the Paw Patrol truck. And then that's when I moved to empathy. And I say, yeah, this is hard for you. You really want the truck right now and so-and-so's playing with it, right? And I also might say some words that are just like, you know, you get to choose how you wait, right? Kind of also bring it back to the choices. Like you can choose how you wait. I mean, you could choose to be upset and cry mm-hmm. about not getting the Paw Patrol truck and I'm here for you. It's hard, it's tough. Or you can choose the, the fire truck, right? Um, and it, it's not so much about the destination of is this child going to get the Paw Patrol truck? Is this child going to... You know, it's not so much about the destination. It, it's more about the process of problem solving. And what I one of the things that I love about what you do here is you're really allowing the child to step up. And I can imagine that many parents in that situation would just step in and say, You, you have the truck for two more minutes and then you're handing it over. And and getting involved in a way that doesn't allow the other child to have this choice making or this need for empathy, right? They're just getting the parent to do the skill for them. And I really love that you you're providing the information and giving the space and the time for that child to learn the skill to practice the skill and to feel their emotions, even if they're disappointed. Yes. And I want to actually address the other part that you said of uh, what if the child's holding it for a long time and keeping the toy for a long time. Um, I think this, this is something that can, it's very situational uh, for young kids. Uh, you know, I'm thinking, especially like five and younger, uh, you know, a, a challenge for young kids is that they have a shorter attention span. Uh, 
a good thing about young kids, they have a short attention span. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so they're only now they really, want the fire truck as soon as you've taken that one out. Right, right. They're only really going to play with it for so long. Like mm-hmm. for young children, one, like the concept of time is like very, they're it's abstract. So it's kind of hard for them to grasp it. Mm-hmm. But over typically a toddler is not going to play with a toy for more than 20, 30 minutes. They're going to, mm-hmm. you know, drop it down and they're going to find something else to play with. Right. And now I think there's also some new, like if there's only, if there's literally a situation where it is, maybe you're at a birthday party, is there's mm-hmm. one trampoline that is for, that only two people can jump on at a time, right? This is a time where it would be appropriate to also probably set expectations ahead of time. Of way ahead of time on that one, <laughs> And yeah. say like, and, and also put a visual timer, especially if these yeah. are young kids because your two minutes is like, you know, their concept of what two minutes, five minutes is, is they're, it's hard for them to understand. Right. And they're going to be more successful if they can see how much time they have left. Like think about if, you're watching a Netflix show, right? Or you're doing a hobby, you're doing something that you really love, enjoying doing. And then out of nowhere, the Wi-Fi turns off, right? Oh, and you're in the middle of your show. You're in the season finale, right? right. Oh. Whatever you're watching. Yeah. Uh, and that is really dysregulating mm-hmm. in that moment, right? As opposed to the energy company is saying, hey, at eight from 8 30 to 9 o'clock, the Wi-Fi is going to be shut off. So, you know, get all do every, charge your phone, do everything you need to do mm-hmm. before then, because there's not going to be 8 30 comes around, might still be a little dysregulating, mm-hmm. still be a little hard in that moment. But it's the intensity of that emotion is much more decreased than if they didn't know what to expect. We didn't know what to expect. Right. And so in that situation, we could, you know, we can actually have a visual timer. We can also take, be able to prepare the kids. How many of you want to use this trampoline today? And everybody's raising their hands and you're like, let's look around. Does everybody want to, everybody wants to, use, should only two people get to use the trampoline today? No. that's not fair no everybody so look at this timer and let's when this timer goes around to to this spot you know it's going to be the time to give somebody else a turn and then you can get back to the back of the line so that the kids are prepared but they also have they are able to see with their own eyes that everybody is having the same emotional experience as they are that they all want to use that trampoline so that can be really helpful i'm wondering if if we're in a situation where our child is, you've had this conversation with them, you've talked to them about you know their choices, they've thrown tantrums and you've talked to them about where it's in their bodies, that they can do all these things. And what if they turn to you and they say, Mr. Chaz, I bet you, you don't get angry at all. You're perfect all the time. You don't get it. You're not a kid. And, and so you don't get angry. How would you answer that? Remember that time uh, yesterday when I got angry? <laughs> That's a very good all, point. <laughs> first of all, um, because it happens, right? It, it happens. You know, I would, I would, I would talk about a time where I got angry. If, if it happened, it's like if you spent any a good amount of time with any child, like they've mm-hmm. probably seen you in an emotional state at some point, right? 
Um, and the, the the power of those moments is that those are also opportunities for learning, right? Of just like when you get in those moments, we get frustrated and you're like wanting to yell at them, or maybe even you do yell at them, mm-hmm. right? That the the most powerful thing, um, and you know, the reason no child has ever said that to me because you know, I've you know, I preach this stuff, I practice this stuff, and there's still times where I lose it. Me too. What happens afterwards. Is it's not something I, I sweep under the rug right. and pretend like it never happened. Right. We talk about it, right? right? When I'm back in my executive state, I talk about like what I did and what happened. Like mm-hmm. you know, yesterday I yelled at you and or I yelled at you, I yelled at the class and I got frustrated and I didn't know what mm-hmm. else to do. Next time I'm going to take a breath, pause and find a different way to get your attention mm-hmm. or find a different way to help you uh, ask for a turn, right? And then I'm going to put that in practice and do it. And they're gonna see me do it, right? And next time I get frustrated, now it's on me to like, become aware and practice what I said I did, what I said I was going to do. And a lot of times, one of the powerful things about actually repairing with them and saying out loud what you're going to do next time is that they likely will hold you accountable for it. Oh boy, will they ever. <laughs> I'll just fast forward this to, you know, my child is, my oldest is 14 now. And one of the hardest but situations, but also I am the proudest of is when I'm losing it. And either a, my daughter comes up to me and puts her hand on my shoulder or on my arm and starts rubbing it because she knows that that is calming for me. Okay. That's one thing that really makes me proud, even though I'm already frustrated in that moment or B, and this is the hardest is when I'm losing it and I'm starting to use a tone or I'm about to yell and she says, I really don't appreciate the way you're speaking to me right now. Now that is a hard pill to swallow. Yeah. Super hard, but I'm proud of it. That really shows regulation and assertiveness. It's not easy. Some might think that that's disrespectful to a parent. I think my child's turning into a person. And what I would want her to do when I am not around, if somebody is speaking to her in a tone or in a way that is derogatory or belittling, I want her to be able to say that. So parenting for the long haul in that way, would you agree? Yes. And in a lot of the, you know, a lot of times, yes, you're right. A lot of times people will see that it's disrespect. Adults will see that, like, don't talk back to me. Right. And what we're telling the child is that when you do feel wrong or you feel disrespected like you're not allowed to speak up that you were were trying to push the child into passivity right Mm -hmm. as opposed to encouraging a certain and honestly those moments are huge those can be helpful for you and your parenting right because you don't want to yell but maybe you're yelling and you're speaking a ton maybe you don't even realize maybe you're not even conscious because you've been on the go you're Mm -hmm. busy you haven't had a lot of sleep Mm -hmm. there's a lot of reasons for it Uh, you're hungry and you're just kind of like on the go you're not really you're kind of an autopilot, which can happen lots of times. They're so busy. Um, and the your child saying, I don't appreciate the way you're talking to me, sometimes can just snap you out of it and kind of bring yes. you back to consciousness and be like, oh, wait, right. hold on. Where am I? What am I doing? Well, okay, wait, let me pause and take a breath and respond in this moment. Um, and so in these, like, it, it's like, 
it's almost like it's she's giving back to you in your parenting, right? And, and the lessons like you teach the skills, and but even there's some opportunities where your children can kind of help you and take what you've taught them. I knew that's and what they it can is. kind of remind you of those, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> oh, that's right. Those are my words. Yeah. Um, you're like, okay, give us your top tip. What do you want parents to come away with, or educators, or coaches? We have a lot of people listening here. Yeah. What is the top tip that you would like them to come away with after listening to this podcast or watching your videos? Ooh, man, so many. The number one thing and the most important thing I'll say in this whole session is I'm about to say right now, perfection doesn't exist. Avoid being a perfectionist, be an improvenist. The goal isn't to be perfect every day. The goal is to improve a little every day. And and I, I want to kind of use this analogy here. I was going to keep it short, but I, <laughs> I want to go a little deeper here. Like, think about it. Like, if you're on the trigger, listen to this podcast, you're trying to do better, you're trying to, you know, become more conscious, improve your skills. You know, this is really a lot of it is, although people have been doing this for a long time, a lot of what is pushing the movement is based off of, uh, brain science and new technology that we've that we've that we've learned right and then we as a collective uh have learned so much um in the past you know few decades mm-hmm. and and think about it like that like you are like the first iphone pretty much and that's a huge innovation and again clap for yourself pat yourself on the back kiss your brain yes you're you you you've you're the first iPhone and recognizing that part of the reason we want to celebrate that is because it's a huge step because some of us were raised by blackberries, right? By oh phones. gosh. By some of us yes. were raised by rotary phones, adding machines mm-hmm. even, right? And so for you to the, be just the to, can with the string. <laughs> right? So for you to be able to take this, this step and to be the, the first iPhone is huge. Okay. And it doesn't stop there, right? You are going to do be getting a lot of software updates, right? And you're going to be learning a lot and you're learning little bits at a time. And it may not feel like uh, uh, huge steps in growth day to day, week to week. When I get my software updates, it's like, what even really changed? It seems like, why did I not have access to my phone for 10 minutes? Uh, what was the point of the software update? But, but, uh, over time, over a bunch of software updates, it's almost unrecognizable of how much growth has happened in that time. So keep taking those baby steps, those baby steps, keep moving forward. And your children are going to be like the second iPhone. They're going to take all those software updates that you've had, and they're already going to come with it by the time that their parents in your or in your position, they will already have taken all the knowledge that you've learned that you've taught them and that's where they'll be starting and then they'll have software updates and then so on and so on and so on until we have the iphone 22 or the google glass or whatever the next big innovation is but it's not your role to break every generational cycle every unhealthy pattern of behavior your role is to learn as much as you can take as many steps as you can on your journey and then pass the torch to your children so, I love that. That is so well said. Give us the resource of the week. Where can we go to get more information about you and the great work you're doing as we wrap up this podcast? Yes. Um, find me on 
TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. I'm on all the social media pop platforms. Mr. Chaz, M-R-C-H-A-Z-Z. I have a podcast too. Mr. Chaz is a leadership parenting and teaching podcast that Robin was on. Yes. Um, and I'm also starting to do a, starting a book club, a conscious discipline book club where I'm going to teach the conscious discipline framework. Um, and the first class for that is January 2nd at 8 p.m. Eastern. Um, you can sign up through my Patreon, www.patreon.com forward slash Mr. Chaz. I recommend signing up on January 1st. Um, so that way you don't have to, because it's a monthly thing. So that way you don't have to uh, pay double um, awesome. for this. So I highly, highly, highly recommend all those resources. Reach out to me. I'm here to help you. And I will be putting all of those resources on the show notes. And I want to just thank you so much for helping us today and talking to us today. I am so excited about listening to the role plays that you provided, the scripts you provided. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for helping us and being on the show today. Thanks for having me on. Well, I've got my takeaways and sweet friends, I know you have yours. Let's discuss them. Come up on Facebook. You can go to the Dr. Robin Silverman page. We can chat about it at drrobinsilverman.com or on Twitter, which is now X at Dr. Robin. I'm also on Instagram under Dr. Robin Silverman and doing my best to start my page really well on TikTok. And if you love this podcast like I did, I hope you'll go up to iTunes and rate and review it so other people can learn about Mr. Chaz and use his strategies that you hear about. Those five-star reviews really make a huge difference in exposure for this podcast and also for the amazing people that I have on. I'm so grateful. I would truly appreciate it. That's all the time we have for today. My fellow parents, leaders, and educators, thank you so much for tuning in to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please go to drrobinsilverman.com. There's so many great podcasts up there, and the show notes to this podcast will be up there as well. I look forward to weathering the storms and enjoying the sunny side of life together. And please remember, even on the days when you fall short, You've got this. You're here. You're getting the information you need. I know it's not easy, but never forget. There's typically a tomorrow. Parenting often provides that ultimate do-over. I know. I see you and I'm right there with you. I imagine you heard something today and you thought, well, I get that. I was there today, yesterday, last week. We are all in this together. None of us have it all together. We have all been pushed to the limit, frustrated. We have said things, done things that we wish we didn't. We can start anew. Perhaps you heard something today that you know you can use starting today. All right. I'm right there with you. And as there are moments when we doubt our know-how, our choices, and our sweet sanity, please know you are 10 times the parent you think you are. Until next time, this is Dr. Robin Silverman with How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Please tune in again and keep connecting through conversation. See you next week. You've been listening to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com.